Hey, party people. Thanks for downloading our podcast, This American Horror Story. This one's a little bit late today because, well, baseball. Playoffs are happening. Sorry. This is our review for the second episode of American Horror Story Freak Show. Let's get it on. Hello, everybody, and welcome to <laughs> This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show, American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host, Chris Eusted. How's it going, everyone? Tyler, how are you? I'm doing, I'm doing very well. Episode two of Freak Show. Um, that was a lot of fun, I do have to say. Um... Once again, we are recording the day after, so we do not have our, our standard libations uh, on hand. What are you What are you drinking right now, Chris? I have a Mountain Dew White Out. I've never heard of it before, so I had to try it. It's kind of gross. That sounds disgusting. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what are you drinking? I am drinking uh, sparkling mineral water from Whole Foods. So you bougie, I'm bougie gonna, boy. I'm a bougie yuppie right now. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, obviously, before we get down and dirty and start talking about things, I do want to say that, as always, you can catch us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstory. And we've been loving the emails coming in, so keep those up. Uh, thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. You can send questions, comments, etc. there. And please, please go on iTunes and rate us, review us, let us know what you think. We sincerely appreciate that. Um, and subscribe. Subscribe if you're you're just a new listener and just found us. Um, we'd love you to uh, stay with us and join in the conversation, um, which we've had a pretty robust one this week on Facebook and email. So before we begin with a new episode, let's uh, take a moment to talk about um, all these different interesting conversation pieces we had come in. First of all, uh, the accent. We had a ton of people uh, check in about Ethel's accent, which we had debated a little bit on last episode. I think we had said, yep. you'd said maybe Canadian, I said maybe like Minnesota or something like that. Well, we we found it, we had a lot of people tell us the real thing. Why don't you chip in on that one, Chris? Yeah, basically it's a uh, Baltimore accent, and Kathy Bates even weighed in herself on where it comes from and how she developed this whole backstory about where, why her character came from there, and it's probably not... I mean, we might get into it. Um, <laughs> okay, for anyone who doesn't know, or who can't see right now, Tyler's dog is licking him on the face. <laughs> anyway, Indeed, yep, she's sorry. Uh, here too. <laughs> um, Ethel, Ethel Darling is from uh, Baltimore. We'll just leave it at that. It's kind of distracting at this point, though, still, don't you think? It is, but I, I agree. It's cool. But hopefully, I mean, it certainly uh, makes for a more layered character. I mean, maybe she was trying to make it significantly different from Madame LaLaurie from last season, and mm-hmm. it certainly achieves that, I think. Um, right. So, but so does the beard. So, um, I don't know. I still, we haven't seen that much of that character yet, to be honest. She's, yeah, she hasn't done much. a whole lot of story. Another thing I want to point out is something that uh, our friend uh, Frank emailed us about, um, and I thought this was a cool point, that um, this season of Freak Show draws a lot on the 1932 movie by Todd Browning called Freaks, um, which was super controversial at its time because it, I believe, used real, real quote-unquote quote freaks in its production and was like... Um, 
kind of thought of to be exploitative or disturbing to some people. Um, uh, Frank even said that this movie is excellent and ended up triggering a wave of censorship in Hollywood. So wow. I had never uh, heard much of this movie or anything, so I went and um, you can buy it on YouTube for two ninety nine. I haven't had time to do that yet. I do want to do that before the season ends for sure. But they are there is a um, clip of the highlights from that movie that we posted on our Facebook page, and I recommend that you all go watch it or go YouTube it because it is really interesting. There are characters in that movie that look exactly like Pepper, for one thing. Yep. I was going to say, Pepper, you can see exactly where they drew uh, inspiration for Pepper's character. Yeah. There's a guy who is only torso, just like, you know, the, that character who was, like, riding a skateboard on the table in this episode. Um, so, clearly, there's a lot of things they drew inspiration on. Um, from that, uh, was there any... I'm trying to think. Did we, we had more emails. Was there anything else that you, in particular, wanted to talk about? Those were the two Chris? big points. I think that's it. Um, we had a good email with uh, from Bree from Boston who talked about how she really thought like the milkman carrying the rolling pin and stuff like that was kind of a nod to goofy horror from you know from the 1950s and stuff like that, which I think is probably pretty accurate. Obviously, we know that Brad Falchuk and Ryan Murphy like to play genre like that. Um, and I mean, so much good stuff to discuss so without further ado let's let's kind of dive in but one thing i also wanted to mention is how i apparently have been seeing articles about how the like american confederation of clowns or something like that is pissed off at american horror story for <laughs> perpetuating the, the the scary clowns uh, the scary clown myth oh, or whatever <laughs> i think it's pretty hysterical um oh, do you remember what this episode was called i don't know if i have massacres and matinees Ooh, i like that and it's directed by our favorite and like the best director I think that uh, American Horror Story uses, and that's Alfonso Gomez Rejon. Exactly, and if you that know was he's obvious. very, very stylistic. He has a very distinct style, which I we both have commented before on how much we've liked that. Um, he does a lot of interesting camera angles, a lot of like f- kind of far out shots, um, and uh, as kind of that are um, conjoined with super close ups, which I yep. like. Um, but let's go ahead and, and kind of talk about the intro here, and then we'll, we'll dive into what I kind of sketch things out into kind of like an A plot and a B plot, so we'll go from there. So, of course, we open on kind of the slow pan into the circus, which I thought was also um, super cool to even uh, begin with. It was very Alfonso Gomez Rejon style. And we see the freaks. Uh, I, I feel offensive saying that, but that's kind of how we're categorizing them. Right. Now. The freaks sitting around eating, listening to the radio. Um one thing I want to say before we go, t- well, too deep into this is, okay, this scene starts with them, the freaks having, like, a breakfast meal. Later on, we see them um, at a dinner table, and that's the one where I said the torso was, like, skateboarding down the middle and giving the drink. And then when we cut for the first time to Frances Conroy in this episode, we see her and her son, which I don't even remember his name. Dandy. Um, Dandy. Okay, because I don't think she she doesn't say it that often. She says, like, honey and sweetheart and stuff like that. Um we see them at a table eating, and then later, of course, the huge diner scene. So it's almost like it's a lot of eating meals. and meals are some kind of theme. I was wondering if you just thought that that, I that had any significance at all. I didn't even notice that. I mean, I noticed it that it was happening, but that didn't register to me uh, that all a lot of these scenes take place at a meal. Huh. I like it. I got to think about that. I mean, obviously, and we'll talk about this later, the scene at the diner was like kind of like a, a civil rights kind oh, absolutely. of homage. But um I'm not sure how the rest of the, the dining scenes plays into that, but just an interesting observation that we had a lot of dining in this episode. So that's how the episode starts, of course. Uh, they're talking about the 
reports of murders on the radio. Parents are keeping kids home from school. And, of course, the police are looking for the missing detective. The detective that we know Evan Peters killed in episode one for trying to steal or trying to abduct, essentially, and take back to the police station, Bet and Dot, and um, for calling them freaks. And he kind of lost his cool and cut the throat of that guy. So some new police show up to the circus, and they meet with Elsa. Um, They tell her that they're instating a curfew so that no one is going to come to their shows, not that they're getting a whole lot of audience to begin with anyway. Um, So they're kind of shutting down the show in that sense. And um, they kind of are doing a little bit of interrogation, asking about, you know, the cop that came by. And uh, Elsa and Bet and Dot seem to be sticking to a story that maybe the cop was drunk or something like that. So they, like, aren't really sure what happened to him. Yeah, maybe. she said, like, I smelled whiskey on his breath. Dot said that. Right. And so the cops kind of threatened to return. And then, of course, we jump from there to the Hanley Toy Store. Oh, boy. Where um, this little messenger boy brings a cup of, I think, coffee in for the toy store owner. Uh, but he doesn't find the proprietor of the shop at the counter like he normally would, and he starts to kind of go around, and we see a little robot. And this is kind of this seems to be one of uh, the trademarks of Twisty, kind of leaving these calling cards, these toys that toys, happen to be yeah. like streaked, with, you know, streaked with blood or something like that. This particular little robot like smeared this path of blood all the way across the uh, in this maze across the store. So this little kid, of course, starts following the um blood path and we see twisty right behind him oh my god that was um, at so first scary. it's like very at first it's super subtle and so it's like oh my god is that twisty and then yeah. it's like holy <laughs> shit it is twisty and the boy follows the you know that something terrible is going to happen to this kid he follows the blood trail of course all the way to mr hanley's decapitated head just sitting there on a shelf on the shelf <laughs> with the toys and then twisty sneaks up on him and very brutally stabs him through the back of the throat which was a ab- wow. really gory scene yeah. Uh, so what a way to kick off the episode. What were your first impressions about what we were diving into here? I thought it was great. It was really scary. Uh, it kind of reminded me of the uh, Murder House, the the killings in the beginning of Murder House that were always kind of the cold opens that were scary, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what I found later on when I uh, kept, because I went back and rewatched the scene and I read a little bit of stuff online, uh, when you first, I think when we first come into the shot of the kid entering the store if you look in the forefront the head is already there and then he does this whole circular uh trajectory around the uh store and we end up back at the head it's brilliant oh so maybe he like he didn't even notice he thought it was a toy at first or something like that it's it's just sitting on the shelf right there in the in the shot and he hasn't Uh, gotten there yet but it like that's brilliant i loved it yeah that is brilliant. I'll have to rewatch that. The other thing I liked is that, you know, we're diving right into Twisty again here in the opening. And in past seasons, whether it was Rubber Man or um, Bloody Face or some of these other villains we've kind of had, they were not always the... They didn't always have a bigger role in every episode. It would be like, you know, they would have a big episode and then we wouldn't really see them for a couple episodes, right. you know? And I hope we continue this. Like, Twisty is at the very much forefront of this entire thing, even though he doesn't talk, but he kind of keeps the scary part like very front and center in this season which i like a lot that's a good point so i hope they they stay consistent with that because he's such a freaky character and i mean obviously we see we and learn more about him 
later on in this episode. And so I'm kind of dividing this episode into two sections. The first section, we're going to talk about um, the circus itself, and that's going to be Jimmy, Dell, Elsa, Bet and Dot, that kind of stuff. And yeah. then we'll talk about the second part, which is really um, dandy and twisty. So uh, diving right into everything that goes on at the uh, actual freak show this episode. Um, once I said, I said it as again, we have this kind of opening meal scene, but this one at the big dining room table where all the freaks are chanting, kill the copper. Um, <laughs> so the, that was a little disturbing, <laughs> right? So maybe Jimmy's feeling a little bit remorseful about what he's done, but every, you know, they're kind of celebrating it. The rest of the company's feeling a little bit invigorated by it because Jimmy was kind of standing up for them in this case. Right. Um, but, but he seems a little upset about it. So he kind of stands up and yells at everybody, and then they go out and they're like, you know, burying the body, chopping it into little pieces, and figuring out how they're going to dispose of it. And I think Jimmy says he is feeling remorse at this point. He's never. We do learn he's never killed anybody before, which is something we speculated about last episode. Right. Um, so this is new behavior for him, but he's trying to stand up for what's right. But he feels bad because Scott might have had kids or whatever. So he's he's pretty sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, we we have to appreciate that about him. Um, but they're going to plan to burn and scatter the corpse. And Jimmy kind of gives this speech again, which I think will continue to be consistent about how, you know, we're just regular people. All we have to do is let them get to know us, which comes to fruition a little bit later when they go to the diner. It's a little uh, – the only problem I have with Jimmy's character is is that we're, he repeats this diatribe like three times. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, we get it. You're outsiders, but you belong in society and who's the real outsider and yada yada it's 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 i mean it's good it's good i and i get it it's just like all the other seasons but i don't need to hear it so many times i got it's it. a little heavy it's a little heavy-handed i would agree with that too another important thing to note of course in this scene is that they um find the co- the cop's badge is in the gray right. pull that and um jimmy pulls that out for what what future use at this point we're not sure now, back at the um, tent, we see a trailer pulling in, and, you know, um, we get a bad feeling of it from the beginning because Ethel recognizes this trailer and is not very happy about it arriving. Yep. She says, oh, hell uh, no. Well, <laughs> it turns out to be Del Toledo, the strong man, and his wife, Desiree. Um, Desiree, of course, has three breasts that we see pretty quickly. Um, Dale is interviewing with Elsa um, because it sounds like he's kind of running from the law a little bit, and no other um, freak show or circus will accept him. Um, they've kind of this is kind of their last resort. Right. He has a resume. He studied under Houdini's son or something like that. <laughs> um, and of course, he says the real um, the real attraction is my wife Desiree, and that's when we see a flashback to Chicago three weeks ago. Where uh, mm, mm. so why don't you describe what hap- what's happening mm. here and what what and what makes Desiree special besides the third boob? I want to oh god I want to pull up her quote. Do you remember what she said? I mean, she said something about trying to fix. Uh, well, I think she says like I've got three. <sighs> Hang on. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm looking this up. But basically, what she what she was doing was uh, it looked like on the side she was sleeping with uh, gay men <laughs> to help turn them back to being uh, straight. Uh, because and why, why was, why she was, has yeah. she has both both male and female parts. 
she is a hermaphrodite, indeed. <laughs> and we had heard that there was something more besides the third boob to Desiree. And so she's um, a sexual anomaly, as we learn. Um, and so, of course, Adele doesn't realize that she's doing this and walks in on this um, poor gay guy trying to have, you know, sex with Desiree to... Cure it. Um, quote, Very... cure. <laughs> Very foul Chuck Murphy. Right. Yeah, and Dell breaks his neck. And so they're on the run from the police because of this, apparently. Um, so we know from the very beginning that Dell has a temper. Um, he's very jealous. And his temper is only um, seen more clearly in a number of moments throughout the episode. But, you know, Elsa says she, she can't afford them, you know. She doesn't seem to have a great feeling about them either. But Dell basically pleads with her and says they'll take anything. So he's, I, this was a little bit confusing to me. So then Elsa says, of course, you know, well, maybe, you know, we could, we could use this strong male presence here or whatever. And so she ends up hiring him. But she, you know, Dell is so um, kind of pleading with her and, and a little bit putting himself out there. But then all of a sudden he kind of goes to being the head of the whole camp and like. Real quick. Even try, bossing around <laughs> Elsa. And so he's clearly pretty volatile. What do you think of this character? <laughs> I, it's I I don't know what to make of it yet because yeah he Elsa does say you know we need a strong male presence here. Um, obviously she's that's kind of undermining Jimmy, but to give this guy power so quickly is and and how quickly he has authority even over her like trying to make them do a matinee show yada yada. It's just it's it's kind of crazy. I don't know. I don't know what to think of him yet. Obviously, he has a temper. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I mean, it seems like he is going to be a center of conflict for most of the characters because clearly, as we learn in the next scene, he um, Ethel uh, comes to his trailer and they have a little bit of a clash. She says to tells him to stay away from Jimmy, and that's when mm-hmm. we find out that he is Jimmy's father and actually tried to kill Jimmy when he right. was a baby because. Because he was a freak. That was uh, um, quite then, a quite a scene that reminded me of Walking Dead on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, with the hands around the baby's neck. Yes, which is always gives you goosebumps. And, you know, Dale had some good nicknames for Ethel too. I think he called her Honest Abe or something at one point. Yeah, when talking <laughs> about her dyeing her beard or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so he he clearly has conflict with Ethel. He has clear conflict with Jimmy, and clear conflict with Elsa. So. Pretty soon, uh, well, and by the end of the episode, really, he's just pissed about just about everybody off. So he's yeah. going to become a dictator. Um, but he, you know, he tells Ethel he's in charge of the whole place, um, which isn't really the vibe I understood from Elsa. I think Me she was either. just saying he was going to basically be security, but he seems to be a guy who like needs to be in charge of everything. Right, and this this brings up a theme that uh, comes from I think this episode, but also um, previous seasons is who knows best, you know. Who who who's who has the right idea on how these the circus should go play out? Who has the best idea of how the school should be run in Coven? Um, mm-hmm. Who who has the, the best asylum, treatment for the asylum? Know. Yeah, you're right. We we do have these kind of leadership conflicts come into play regularly on the right. show. Everyone thinks they know best. Mm-hmm. Um, and he you know he's just very testosterone fueled, obviously, and almost to the point of being well, not almost to the point of being reckless. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the tent, it, Bet and Dot are auditioning um, because they need to have some talent besides just being, you know, eye candy, I guess. Yeah. And so they're trying to sing, and Bet is just a terrible singer. Desiree's playing the piano, Awful. and she is 
crazy flat. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're trying to figure out what to do because Bet was the one that had wanted to be a star from the beginning. I liked that Desiree suggested that they could shoot uh, ping pongs out of their uh, yeah out of their hoo-haws. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm liking Desiree's character. Oh, oh, yeah, I like so, her too. She, I found I'm out what she to learn says. More about her. She says three titties, proper girl parts, and a dingaling. I'm a full blown hermaphrodite. <laughs> Put that on your banner. She she will be a character. I will be excited to learn more about. Certainly more than Ethel, who seems kind of boring so far. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. So, Anyway, so Jimmy um, suggests that Dot be the one to, you know, give singing a go. And, she, you know, Dot's kind of nervous, and he kind of sweet-talks her because we already had a feeling that maybe she had some feelings for him. Mm-hmm. He says, sing, sing as if you're singing right to me. I also wanted to know, um, again, how the camera's, like, isolating the heads during this mm-hmm. whole sequence and during the song, too. Um, so they're always, like, sticking out of the side. You never see, or very rarely do you see a scene where, like, both heads are in the frame together, which is kind of cool. And maybe part of that's just... Con- to prevent confusion so we don't forget which is which or it's just um, easier <laughs> less yeah. cgi money spent <laughs> that's true so dot starts singing and lo and behold she is an awesome singer uh i had a question for you is, is that really sarah paulson's voice i i wanted to ask you that too i i assume so it sounded like it sounded like her yeah it was, it was good she sounded really good yeah it wasn't fiona <laughs> it, no it was not um Oh, so yeah. Speaking of which, so I think this 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 isn't the song she sings in the audition, but you mean you're talking you're referencing the song she sings in the actual stage performance, yes? Oh yeah, yeah. The Fiona yeah. Apple song. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I thought I mixed it up. I forgot she sings twice. Yeah. Sorry, we disconnected for a second. Did you hear what I said? Oh, yeah, yeah. I it was the it was the Fiona Apple song that I was talking about. Yeah, later. All right. What is it? Um criminal or something like that criminal, i read somewhere yep. that um the reason that they're having Sorry. right uh i know that we're getting a little ahead of the, ourselves on this but um i read somewhere that ryan murphy likes to, wanted to use intentionally have like same thing with the david bowie song from last episode mm-hmm. he wanted there he wanted to intentionally use anachronistic music because um, he liked the way boz lorman does it in right. his movies right yep which i think is cool yeah it I is mean, cool i mean i and he had they had their own style to the songs yeah. So. Uh, anyway, Dot's an ex- excellent singer. Elsa's clearly shocked by it and a little bit uh, irritated because she wants to be the star of the show. Yeah, she's pissed immediately. It's like, well, didn't you hire them? <laughs> she wanted them to be an attraction, but she wanted them to be an attraction because the they were Siamese twins. Yeah, she wanted them to lead into the main act. Uh, then Dell comes in, and that's when they he suggests the 3 p.m. matinee, um, and Elsa gets pissed um, because she says, the mystery of the freak show is in the darkness. Um, but he says, what I say stands, and then he goes ahead and runs the matinee. So yeah. he's in charge now, apparently. <laughs> um, but then again, I, to some degree, you have to agree with him because that's just stupid to like not have, you know, if they can't have anybody in an evening show because there's a curfew, you got to make adjustments sometimes. So yeah, I kind of agreed with him on that front, although he was certainly being a dick. And this is also when Jimmy kind of has his first negative interaction with Dell because he tries to calm Dell down and he gets shoved immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we have our diners, the diner scene we were talking about earlier. Jimmy brings all the freaks to the diner. We want to be served. There's clear civil rights undertones here. The freaks get seated at the diner, and Jimmy wants them to make a good impression. He's telling everybody to mind their manners when they're eating. Um, which one they of the customers com- ends up leaving. They quickly forget. They complain. I'm sorry. What did you say? Which they which they quickly forget <laughs> when like the one guy just starts taking food from someone else's plate, and Pepper starts yelling meatloaf. 
Mention that. Sorry, say that last part. Oh, when and when Pepper starts yelling meatloaf. Right. It's like yes. okay, tone it down a little bit. <laughs> right, and so uh, it's bothering everybody at the uh, well, all the regular customers at the diner a little right. bit. Right. Um, and Dell's outside, you know, hammering up his matinee poster. Sees the freaks in and comes in and demands they all leave. Um, he says, you know, you're giving them a free show. You freaks don't belong in here. You're only allowed to eat at the tent. He's the already tent, laying down yeah. the law. Jimmy's obviously very pissed at him and says, you know, we're just like anybody else again. We can eat here. And I think also at this point, one of the um, – somebody at the diner says, like, we have the right to refuse service or something like that. So The owner does, yeah. And continues. Right. So then Dell drags Jimmy outside and pretty much beats the crap out of him. Kicks his ass. So uh, – Good father, that guy. Uh, that seemed a little uh, a little overkill on Dell's part, but he. Um, I have a feeling we're going to see quite a bit of him, uh, his temper, getting out of hand. Right. Well, it, I'd also it, like to see his strongman act at some point, but yeah, oh, go yeah. Ahead. I was going to say I mean, it's going to be a, a battle between those two guys to figure out who's the you know the male presence that uh, that Elsa's talking about. Exactly. And we had kind of talked about um, this in our preview episode, too, about how this was going to be a theme a little bit in this season. And they have very different ways of handling things. Obviously, Dell's vision is that, you know, the freaks should be sequestered and, like, are yeah. better off on their own. And Jimmy wants integration. And mm-hmm. um, Old school versus new know, school. <laughs> separate but equal or integrated, I guess. You could, yeah. You could say. Another thing uh, that they deal with in Asylum and Coven and now Freak Show is the whole, you know, the old old way of doing things versus the new way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Absolutely. I mean. Old school and new school. Right. We see these different motifs all the time <laughs> um, in, in every season about, you know, different ways of outsiders are dealt with and um, – Handling of the system from opposing forces and different right, ways. and where do you actually belong? Right, a lot of where you belong. That's the overall theme: is who belongs and how do you belong, and about belonging in general. So Jimmy storms back into Elsa with his fresh bruises, and um, they both they both want Del to leave. Yeah. Um, well, Elsa's kind of iffy on it at first. You know, she says. If you guys are out and about and people are seeing you, you're going to become scapegoats for all these murders that are happening because you're easy targets, basically. Yep. So she's kind of on that on that point. She's a little bit on Dell's side, um, but that's when you know Jimmy says, "You know, I stand up for people. I, I was the one who killed the cop," and so she's kind of impressed by that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you're standing up for the troop. That's good. And then he shows Elsa the kicker, which is that on the poster that Dell made for the matinee, Elsa's built at the very bottom as like an yep. afterthought, and she's like, <laughs> "I loved her reaction." She was like. He's got to go. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It was just so quick, a quick, swift decision. Loved, it was loved a quick, swift the, decision. The facial change that Jessica Lang does is awesome. He's got to go. And so we transition here uh, to the the show itself, the matinee, and it is actually pretty crowded. So Dell's done a good job at rounding up people. Um, he's barking the show. Um, we start off, of course, with Meep, our, our geek, which... <laughs> I think oh, geek origi- really originally did mean um, so- someone who bites the heads off of animals. Oh my gosh, um, which is pretty disgusting. Whoa. Yeah, Ugh. he also has a bizarre hat too. But yeah, 
Uh, Meep is so gross. weird. I laugh every time I've seen Meep, though. He's so, like, he just goes, <laughs> and that's his whole act. <laughs> yep, he's just going to bite the head off a chicken or, so funny. or whatever and run off stage. And then Betty uh, and Doc come on, and that's when they sing that um, song, Criminal, by yeah. Fiona Apple. And Bet's kind of singing the backup while I would say, all of a sudden, Bet's really good at harmonizing. <laughs> well, maybe that's her talent. She's a yeah. better harmonizer. She should take more pride in that. <laughs> Uh, Elsa, Elsa, obviously incredibly jealous of the standing ovation uh, they get. In the meantime, Jimmy sneaks out of the tent, we know, to try to plant the badge mm-hmm. in Dell's trailer so that way he gets framed for the murder when the detectives come the next day. Well, when the police show up the next day, we find out that uh, Dell... Dell knew about it. I mean, he's he smarter him. than they realized, and he knew that's what they were doing. So he pulled out the badge, and where did he put the badge? He put it in poor Meep's trailer. He put it in poor Meep's trailer, that's right. So they end up arresting Meep and taking him away. And this is the like super sad scene where like Meep's like banging on the back window. Mm, it was such sad. a little defenseless dude. Yeah. Uh and then they throw him in the prison and all the criminals are clearly like descending on him to kick his ass and so Yeah, I felt really bad for him. He like he was just so small and terrorized and the way he was like in the fetal position in the corner. Yeah. Oh. That was really sad. I loved his act. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> he will. R.I.P. Meep. Um, Our first in the meantime, you know, that same that same evening, Elsa goes and sneaks in and manages to wake up Bet without waking up Dot, which I think yeah. is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and Bet confesses to Elsa how she was embarrassed by Dot's talent and that she was trying to run off the stage, but <laughs> Dot was keeping her there. Um, and Elsa, of course, continues to try to divide them mm-hmm. by saying that that is the real star and you need to hold your ground. So she leaves like a, a razor blade or a box cutter or something under Beth's yeah. um, pillow. So I had a couple theories about what she wants her to do with this. What do you think? Slash her throat. Or cut her head off, maybe. Or... I don't know. I did not think it was. I did not her think face? it was going so far as to want to actually kill her. I thought maybe like cut her tongue out, oh, or yeah, something, yeah. or something just like her so that way cord. she's still right, right. Something so that she's still there, but she cannot be the headline act anymore. Right. I yeah agreed. Injure her, but not kill her. Right, and so that's kind of a cliffhanger. We don't know what's happening there as far as that goes. Um, and you know, at the same time, the same evening, Ethel finds Jimmy drunken in the main tent. He's upset that he can't protect the freaks. He's really upset about Meep being arrested. And he tells the, he tells Ethel that he's going to go confess to killing the cops. So that way they'll let Meep go because Meep can't defend himself. Mm-hmm. So he storms out. He's ready to go. Give himself up. When a cop car drops a very tiny body bag mm. off of the tent and drives away. And he opens it up. And what do we find? Meep. Poor dead, dead Meep. Meep. Yeah, that was pretty sad. That whole storyline... Yeah, I felt, felt pretty bad for Meep, even though we only really got to know him this episode. Right. We got to know him this episode. I would love to have had maybe two more uh, episodes of his act. <laughs> I don't know why I liked it so much. He's such a weirdo. Well, like in well a cool he also way. just kind of did it for, he also kind of did it for fun in just this first episode. <laughs> yeah. I think we just see him like. Biting that chickens. <laughs> it's so weird. American Horror Story needs to put, you know, at the beginning where they like put like mature for all yeah. these different things. They also need to say like, no animals were no, harmed in the yeah. making of this season. <laughs> I wonder how they shot that. Yeah, I it's don't know. Fake, a fake bird, Pretty, I'm guessing. G- good special effects. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Ugh. Um, now let's talk about the storyline that I enjoyed more, um, which is the dandy and twisty storyline. Oof. This is, this was chilling. 
So when we open on Fran- on Francis Cameron's character, which do we know? We just call her mother. Do we actually know her name? I think their last name is Gott. Gott. Mott. Andy Gott. Mott. Gloria Mott. Mott. Dandy Mott. Gloria Mott. Okay, so we have Mrs. Mott and Dandy at the dinner table. Um, I love these seats. It's like where they're at opposite ends of oh the my gosh. long table. They, they shot this so well, yeah. And he's doing that annoying thing with the fork, making Ugh. that dinging sound. It's just driving you crazy. And obviously, like, really trying to make you hate that character, which you quickly quickly do if we hadn't already after yep. last episode. And... Um, they made brings out escargot, so you know we're only reinforcing how uh, a fancy Rich. they are. Yeah, uh, and I loved that he was drinking cognac out of a crystal baby bottle baby. with the bottle. Uh, yeah, I wrote that down. I was like, "What the hell?" That was weirdly ridiculous. And he, of course, wants to be a thespian, yeah. and uh, mother will not let him, and so he's very upset about that. So he storms out. Um, and the maid mentions, and this is important to note, obviously, the maid mentions that she found, you know, fur and teeth behind the shed and that the neighbors are still looking for their cats. So we know that he's pretty sadistic. He has yes. these sadistic tendencies. Right. Um, ones that we obviously tend to associate this far with uh, Twisty. So, of course, speaking of Twisty, who does um, Mrs. Mott find while driving her car down the street. By the way, the wheel's on the wrong side of the car, so I guess she has an imported European car at this I, point. I, yeah, I noticed that thinking. too. Yeah, that was weird. So she's driving down the street, and, and Twisty's just walking down the side of the road. And um, she she thinks that Twisty could cheer up Dandy. So she pulls over and tells him to, to get in the the car with her. I was surprised that Twisty did not kill her. I, but maybe I he wanted was to curious know that. To, yeah. Maybe he wanted to capture the son and take or him he, back to... Yeah, he... he probably, maybe he thought that she had, like, a small son and he wanted to go take the son back to be his captive audience in his van or something like that. Or, like, we've kind of seen him, you know, with the, with the girl and the boyfriend. You know, he, he liked doing his act before they got, you know, antagonistic with him. So maybe he was like, oh, a gig. Right. Well, he's clearly a sociopath. You're right. So maybe he is excited about the opportunity to perform. I think that's completely <laughs> valid. Uh, so while <laughs> Mrs. Mott is picking up Twisty, uh, Dandy's back at the circus telling Jimmy how he wants to join the freak show. Mm-hmm. But Jimmy basically tells him, hey, you're not a freak. You can't join the show, which is kind of ironic because Jimmy is so much talking about how, like, we're the same as everybody else and, like, trying to get everybody to be open-minded. Like, saying that, you know, you're not like one of us and and putting that boundary in is being pretty hypocritical, if you ask me. Agreed. And, you know, he could have played piano or something like that. Um, He could have been the new Meep and bitten heads off of things. But Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Dandy has a line What you're looking at That's not ins- not me inside I'm one of you So he Dandy's feeling like A freak inside Clearly Right um, Which we see Comes out later um, Well when Jimmy tells him He can't be a part Of the freak show He runs out to his car And beats his head Against the steering wheel Until it bleeds Yelling Ugh. I hate you So uh, that, That's quite, hinting Quite a little Insane brat mm-hmm. um, And what goes well With an insane brat An insane clown mm-hmm. uh, Back at home Mrs. Mott uh, introduces Dandy to Twisty, and I loved the way the scene was filmed mm-hmm. with like the doors opening and Twisty just being way back there, and like him slowly approaching Ooh. Twisty in a super cinematic way, and how they like looking into each other's eyes. And I was kept thinking, 
is Twisty going to kill him? Is he just going right. to slaughter him at this point? But, you know, Twisty was kind of uh, excited about the prospect, I think you're right, of, of doing some actual tricks here. Um, I, I, I still don't understand, you know, how some of these people, like the boyfriend and the girlfriend and then then the Mots, how they see this clown and think, oh, a clown, f- fun. They don't see, like, how gross and scary it actually <laughs> is. It's disturbing. It's not a fun clown. Well, I think that Mrs. Mott is one thing because she's a bit she doesn't, yeah, delusional she doesn't herself, yeah. obviously. Um, I can't account for the the guy and the girl. I think maybe they were just they thought he was creepy and were just trying to appease him because they were afraid of what he might do. Yeah, but like her first thought, I remember was like, "Oh, oh, a romantic surprise." Oh yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, if that's lady. a romantic surprise, then she has a very twisted yeah. Um, no nope, run. I love that next Dandy does the puppet show of the King and I for Twisty. Etc, etc, etc. Yul Brenner was transcendent. <laughs> and then, you know, he he then insists, Dandy then insists that Twisty be the one to amuse him. And I liked how we had this, like, Twisty has his back to Dandy at this point, and we even see, like, Twisty roll his eyes. Like, he doesn't get this kid. I think that part of it is that, like, Dandy's an enigma to him because no one has treated him like this really before. Um, so maybe, so clearly he's intrigued. Right. Um, Twisty goes to go, like, play with the toys or pull something out of a wardrobe or, or something like that, and Dandy kind of sneaks into his bag to see what's there. Snooping I think he pulls around. Out a knife and scissors and all his murder weapons. Or he... And the head. Or is, isn't there a head in there? I, I don't think we see what he sees. He just opens it That's up right. and he goes. <gasps> That's right. We don't see it because I think we see it back at the van. Um, but we don't see it now. But we end up finding out that it is a human head. And he doesn't look scared or terrified or anything about it. He's like, ooh, what's this? Basically is kind of his impression. But Twisty's it, obviously pissed about him getting into his thing. So he beats him over the head with one of those uh, juggling pins and <laughs> runs away. But Dandy recovers real quickly and follows him out. And follows him all the way back to the van. Um, we see the kids, the same kids. So we know Twisty hasn't killed these kids yet. They're still mm-hmm. his captive audience. Um, the girl has managed to break free a board with a nail in it to try to use as a Twisty weapon in one form or another. Yeah. And he comes in, and this whole scene is is so creepy. You know, he comes in and he sits down. and He just stares at them for a second, and he really kind of gives us a few seconds to really study all his just disgusting, ragged features pulls out his little murder robot again and that thing has become so like you know that toy has now become like a totem of of death and, and murder and Ugh. stuff so it kind of makes you wonder if he's about to kill them uh then he boy he then he pulls out the head which i believe is the boy's head from the coffee shop or, or the, the toy store the boy was it the boy or, or the older guy because his head was already cut off too that's I don't remember. Yeah, you're right. Maybe he just put that older guy's head back in the back and took it with him. Um, so Twisty's decapitating people all of a sudden. Ugh. That was that's new. Isn't that new this episode? I don't remember if he was cutting people's heads off. Though. No, I think he was just bashing before. people or stabbing them. Yeah, so I wonder if new, his new thing is just going to be cutting cutting heads off. Uh, but you know, kids scream. The girl hits Twisty with the board with a nail in it, and they run oh man we see well and not only does she hit him though it knocks his mask off oh god i forgot oh my god oh my god how would you even try to describe that because i am having trouble it was like a gaping like hole with like like it kind of looked like jagged edges all around it it was so quick 
It looked almost alien, but I don't know. Like, Ugh. I don't know if he was just maimed at one point, and like his lips were all cut out, but his Ugh. tongue is still in there. But it's like Ugh. it was like a gray worm kind of thing. It was it was pretty disgustingly horrifying. I didn't think we'd get that reveal so early. Well, may, I mean, I'm sure we'll get it more later, but it was just it was very brief, obviously. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I thought we were gonna that we we're gonna get held out on that a little longer, but it only okay. um, makes him even more yeah. disgusting. And explains kind of what he why he doesn't talk because it doesn't look like he has his jaws. Um, I think it was just a gaping hole with a tongue. So <sighs> I assume we'll find out at one point what happened to him and get a little backstory. Yeah. Like I mean, I think that would be interesting. But uh, even without it, he's this mysterious, terrifying, terrifying character. So the kids try to make a run for it, and uh, they run right into Dandy, who the girl asks for help. And did you know what Danny was going to do at this point? I kinda yeah, I, I kind of figured. Did you? I thought, uh, yeah, I kind of knew what was coming because he he seemed to be too okay with the fact that Twisty had a head in his bag. And obviously we already knew about the stuff about him, like mutilating the cats and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's all falling into so place. So he, he, he grabs the girl and takes her back and um, carries her into the van. And so him and Twisty are going to partner up, it seems like. Um Someone's got a new protege. Two very different sociopaths, but uh, two sociopaths nonetheless. That's going to be terrifying. Yeah. And I, we'll talk more about the upcoming episode next. But uh, did you see the quick clip of the younger clown? Because I'm pretty sure that they do dandy up as a clown, too. No, I didn't. I don't think I saw the preview, yeah. actually, this time. Huh. Well, if anyone missed that, I encourage you guys to go watch the preview because you see a quick clip of... Because you hear his voice. It's dandy in, in a clown outfit. And it's <laughs> equally terrifying. Um, so we're going to have uh, two creepy clowns. So the clown, National Clown Confederation is going to be double pissed. <laughs> um, so kind of after this episode, what are what are the cliffhangers you're most curious about? Where are you interested in seeing things going? What was left unanswered? I, honestly, the, the, the storyline with Twisty has been the most intriguing to me because it's the scariest, but it's also exciting. I, I'm, I am curious to see how they play out the whole tent uh, crew just because at this point it seems our standard American horror story storylines, uh, you know, battle between older and younger uh, battle for supreme power. <laughs> um, but they do need to get Kathy Bates more involved because I, I don't know really, I have no feelings toward her at all right now. And they need to use, uh, keep using Francis Conroy cause she's been amazing. And, uh, I gotta say, Sarah Paulson's been pretty sweet too. I like to see what the dynamic is between the two of them now. Her, well, Sarah and Sarah Dot and Bet. What do you think? Mm-hmm. I agree with that too. I think that you're right. They, it does. And you know, I was thinking about this a little bit last night. How it seems like, you know, like you were just saying, it's kind of some of the same tropes we've seen before, just in a just in the freak show instead yep. of in the coven. But I think yeah. there's so many interesting things they can do with the freak show mm-hmm. that. Um, I hope we see a little bit of kind of unique plot twists there. So I absolutely agree with that. Same thing about um, wanting to learn more about Ethel and more about, um, you know, seeing more of Bet and Dot. Um, also, Angela Bassett's character, Desiree. Oh, Desiree. I, I like a lot. She's great. Um, looking forward to more having more of her, too. Um, interested to see the effect of Meep dying on mm-hmm. um, Jimmy. Because he was all about, like, you know, we're, he, he was feeling kind of welcoming, it seemed like, to 
outside people. And now that, you know, they've killed Meep for being a freak, interesting to see if he, well, is pissed more at Dell or if he's more pissed at the world for, like, treating freaks so terribly. Right. And I'm hoping a little bit that he, you know, he should be tw- pissed at Dell, and, and I think yes. that, that will be the case. But I also hope that this changes his perspective a little bit so we don't have him preaching more, you know, doing that same speech about how the world just needs to see them. Yep. Because now he has a right to be a little bit bitter. Mm-hmm. And I think I'd kind of like to see that a little bit more. Right. One also thing I want to note is that um, there was no follow-up on that scene we talked about from last episode where you cut it, it cut to um, Elsa, you know, while she was singing, it was like, there was like, we thought there was maybe a second Elsa in the audience. Oh, yeah, the, like the, the, the white-faced one. Right, so at one point, you know, I was thinking maybe that was some weird power or something like that, but the fact that they didn't follow up on it always, almost makes me think that it was more something like um, what I believe someone on our Facebook page suggested or something, which was, well, either that or maybe it was like, a, you know, that was later on the evening, um, you know, uh, her, her coming back and like mm. revisiting where she had her performance or something right. like that. So, you know, not necessarily something supernatural to, to have to think about. Um. So Excuse me. I'm thinking I would give this episode a four. I liked this episode, which is interesting because you're giving it a lower score than last episode. I am, yes. I I liked this episode more than I think the premiere. Um, Ooh. I really, really well. First of all, I, I really like Alfonso Gomez. Yes, as a visually, director, and I thought the directing amazing. was incredible, and I thought the music was awesome. Um, that scene with Twisty in Dandy's playroom was amazing so good i thought it was filmed fantastically i i, I love that whole the whole plot between the two of them i thought was great and francis conroy mm-hmm. so i think that i i gave it a three and a half last time you give it a four and a half i'm gonna give it a four two so i think we're looking at eight out of ten pretty good sad clowns <laughs> yeah sad clowns yeah <laughs> yeah so that's pretty solid um Certainly, what's, things to be looking what, forward to. So let's talk about. Yeah, what's oh, the, the for the preview for next week? What I, I don't think I caught it. So what did it? What did it show? So we're moving into the first of two Halloween episodes already. Oh, that's right. Um, which no, that would make sense because next week it'll be what Part one. the twenty um, second. So it will, yep. it'll be right before Halloween. We'll get those two. So we have Halloween episode Part One, um, and so we get into the the. I guess it is the myth or something about the guy who has two faces, one on the front of his face and like the face on the back of his head that right. whispers bad thoughts to him or something like that. So there was a little clip of that um, in the preview for next episode. We also saw a little bit of Emma Roberts, so maybe we'll start seeing her coming up soon. Cool. Um, we see the twins on an operating table, so maybe they're trying to get separated. <sighs> oh, boy. Uh, the other thing, and I already mentioned um, Dandy becoming a creepy clown as well, which is a pretty, pretty huge thing. So those are all all different. I'm excited, elements. and of course Emma Roberts and Dennis O'Hara playing con, a con right. man and woman. So they'll be coming in, and maybe they'll be the ones who are adding a new dynamic by mixing things up a little bit in the, in the freak show. Now that me poor Meep is gone. Meep. But I'm excited to see Meep. Yeah. So that was. That was too bad, but I do feel I do want to say that I feel a little bit like, aside from the Dandy and Twisty storyline, which I already already said was my favorite part of this, mm-hmm. I feel like it is again, and this is this always seems to be the case in the American Horror Story. We're very front loaded with preposition, like, and things did move pretty fast last episode, but there's still a lot of introducing new characters. In this case, Dell and Desiree, uh, setting up 
character dynamics, you know, Dell and Jimmy going head to head and stuff like that. Um, so we're kind of pitting, it's a lot of establishing, you know, those people being pitted against each other and stuff like that. And I'm, it ends up at the beginning, just seeming, just being kind of very kind of surface plot driven. And so that's why, like you were saying, getting deeper into Bet and Dodd and stuff like that makes it, I think as we go on, the episodes end up getting stronger because we get to know these characters more and we get, they become more complex than just kind of driving the plot forward as we introduce more people and kind of get to where, you know, setting the stage for where we're going with things. Right. So I have I have high hopes, and I like where things are going. I think there's a lot of opportunity here. Let's hope they don't screw it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So after this, everybody go watch that. Um, like I said, that YouTube clip of that freaks because that was pretty solid. Um, pretty interesting, pretty fascinating. Uh, so I guess until then, um, Chris, where can people catch you? Catch more of you everywhere. Twitter, Instagram at Chris Husted. What about you? You can find me on both as well at TJMoss11 and keep uh, keep interacting with us on there. Um, we appreciate it. Oh, one one of our um, I, one listener said that maybe David Bowie would make an appearance this season. Oh yeah, that'd be got, tight. We've, we've have a tradition of musicians. I think that would be pretty sweet. Who's the one we're getting this um, season though? We're getting um, uh, Patty Labelle. We are getting Patty Labelle, um, who plays oh Gabrielle Sidibe's mother. I think. Oh, so that's right. Oh, Sidibe to show up later too. I'm excited to see so them when they come on. More things to come. Always more characters to introduce and more things to come. Yeah. Uh, of course, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstory. And uh, send us your own theories and comments on our commentary at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. And then, of course, catch us on iTunes. Rate us, review us. We super-duper appreciate that. Yeah. Um, until then, any, any, last, uh, any last words, Chris? No. <laughs> None for me. Wait. All right. Kill the copper. We need to we need to do this in the evening next week because we, I feel like we have more energy when we like we have a drink in hand and it's yeah. like after the episode. I think so. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just stupid baseball. <laughs> but but maybe yeah. But I think maybe our theories are more thought through and we have more time. But yeah, for uh, having a drink in hand. Mountain Dew is anyway, not cutting it for me. I can't imagine. Neither neither sparkling water. Well, until next week, <laughs> folks, um, super excited to chat with you then. Signing off, Tyler Moss Bye. and Christopher Houston. Happy hauntings. <laughs> I've been a bad, bad.